Welcome to Tice Talks, where we talk all things faith and family. And today's episode is about God's will for your future. Yep. You know what? People ask all the time, how do I know God's will? I got a letter from a missionary today who was talking about the fact that he had led, I believe it was a Korean uh, uh, lady to the Lord, and she had no background at all in the Bible. And uh, somebody gave her uh, a Bible and she and and she was starting to read. She said, she said to the man that gave her the Bible, she said, how do I know God's will? And he instructed her to read the Word of God. He said, because if you go to the Word of God, you're going to find the will of God. But people ask that, I'll go to colleges, people want to know, how, did you, how do you know God's will? How did you know that God wanted you to go to Las Vegas and start a church? How do you know whether you should buy something or you shouldn't buy something or you should uh, get involved in this ministry or you shouldn't get involved in that ministry? So uh, I've been studying through the book of First Kings and um, as we've been studying through the book of First Kings, we're looking at the prophet Elijah, a very unusual guy, powerful guy, used, came from nowhere and is a nobody and then all of a sudden he's confronting kings and he's changing the course of a nation. So the question that I'm re- as I'm reading through this I'm thinking how in the world did Elijah get so bold that he could just go before a king? How does he how do you get that kind of boldness in a, in in the midst of a hostile nation? And the answer is Elijah was someone who knew and obeyed the will of God. Uh, he's he confronts a man named Ahab. Ahab, I believe, knew the will of God, but ignored the will of God. Then you have Jezebel, who had no concept at all of the will of God because she was a pagan. Now Ahab, later on in his life, repents of his sin and gets right with God. Therefore, we know that he knew that what he he knew the will of God, but he didn't do it. He ignored it. She had no idea, and so she was wicked through and through, a child of the devil. And then there was a guy named Obadiah, who knew the will of God, and he feared God, hmm. and so he did certain things because he feared, and if he feared God, he knew the will of God. But the question is then, how is it that you? can know the will of God. What is God's will for your future? And if you're listening to this podcast today, by the time it's finished, you will know the will of God for your future. All right. So number one. So number one. (laughs) Number one. I'm on the edge of my seat. Tell me what the will of God is. Okay. (laughs) Number one, God's will is for you to know the Word of God. Hmm. Over and over and over again, I came to this conclusion as I'm studying Elijah, the Bible says, and the Word of God came to Elijah, and the Word of God came to Elijah, Hmm. and the Word of God came to Elijah. And every time the Word of God came to Elijah, the Bible goes on to say, and Elijah did. Hmm. So he was able to be bold because he knew that what he was doing was the will of God because he listened to the Word of God. That's so good. You know, the the passage about meek and quiet spirit for a woman is that you're, in our minds, as in our vernacular, it means that we're 
I'm supposed to be as quiet. We don't, we just do whatever anybody tells us to. Like when I think of meek and quiet, but it actually means that we're supposed to be settled in knowing what we believe about God. And that the settled part is with the quiet. Like I, I'm not frantic. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? So as, as a woman, when you say this, knowing the word of God, knowing what I believe is meekness and being settled in it is the quietness. And I look and I just think that's that's what knowing the word, the will of God for my life is having a meek and quiet spirit, knowing his will and being settled in his will, knowing his word. It goes on to say not being afraid with any amazement. Like, hmm. oh, yeah. I'm pa- freaked I'm out. Of out. It. Yeah. yeah, I'm not freaked out. I'm not afraid with any amazement because I have this meek and quiet spirit. That's so, that's so good. I'm just, this is all applicable to me. So, this is why I do Tice Talks, you guys. <laughs> so God's will, God's will is, this is absolutely God's will. God's will is for you to know the word of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures given. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So the first thing that you need to understand is that the will of God is for you to know the word of God so you can walk in the confidence of God. Number two, God's will, just studying the life of Elijah, God's will is for you to pray. Hmm. The Bible tells us in James that Elijah was a man subject to passions as we are, and yet he prayed. God's will isn't isn't for you to think about praying. It's not for you to say, oh, I'll pray about that. Uh, God's will is for you to pray when you see things going on that you don't like, things that aren't the way they should be, or if you're even wondering what is the will of God, you should pray. The Bible says in James chapter 1 that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. The word prayer means to ask. That is, if you lack wisdom about what God's will is for you, his will is for you to pray and ask him what his will is for you. His will for you can be discerned through prayer. So, number one, God wants us, it's God's will for you to pray. Number one, it's God's will for you to know his word. Number two, it's God's will for you to pray. Three, this is really great. God's, it's God's will for your future that you live a morally pure life. God wants you to be morally pure. You say, how do you know that? Well, first of all, when it comes to Elijah, Elijah was a man who preached God's word. John the Baptist came and preached in the spirit and power of Elijah. And one of the main messages that, that, that John preached was moral purity. In fact, he got thrown in jail because he told Herod, you're being morally impure and you need to be right. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, for this is the will of God. You want to know the will of God? Here it is. Here's God's will. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. God says, stay away from sexual sin. Why? Because this is the will of God. And that's what fornication is. It's any kind of sexual sin. That's right. God says, stay away from any kind of sexual sin, whether it's lust, whether it's adultery, whether it's 
just, oh, I'm going to go hook up with somebody for the weekend. Yeah. Any kind of sexual sin, God says, stay away from stay it. Stay away from it. Uh, it is a, it's a broad term. It includes pornography. Yeah. Men looking on women to lust after them. Uh, God tells us that it's a man's problem. This whole idea of lusting is a man's problem, and he needs to determine not to look on a woman to lust. That's pornography. Pornography is a sexual sin. Uh, by the way, it's important, on the other hand, that if you're a lady, that you dress modestly, not because of your sin, but because of the sin of men. And I taught my kids, I taught my daughters growing up, I thought it, I taught them it was really important because there were perverts out in the street, there were wicked men out in the yeah. street. I taught you girls that you need to be covered from your neck to your knee just to uh, keep others from looking at you in an improper way. I didn't want people to look at my daughter and have uh, immoral thoughts towards any of my daughters. And so I taught them. And it's them, never taught to us as a shameful thing. Like I never felt like, oh, I need to cover up because my body is, I it's shameful or I didn't know. We were taught to dress beautifully and very, fe with femininity and, but it wasn't that parts of our body were bad. It wasn't because, oh, and, and I'm sinning if I have, you know, like, so if somebody's looking on me, it's my sin. We weren't taught that. He's, it was, hey, I care about you. I care about you, me honoring your body, other people honoring you. So you taught us to dress in a manner that brought people to look at our faces and not bring attention to our bodies. But it wasn't ever looked at like I never felt oh, I need to cover myself up because because of the sin of all of these men. I didn't where I'm so sinful because I have body parts or I'm shapely. I didn't have, I never felt this um, shame on me. It was just a rule. Yes. It was, hey, this is what we do. We cover ourselves up and we covered the boys up too. It wasn't like, yeah. okay, boys are now, I mean, in our home, we have little boys that like just want to live in their underwear. <laughs> But but it was taught. Hey, look! I remember you taught taught us. Hey, you know you know the people in the Bible who were naked and unashamed. It was people before the fall, and then it was the maniac, the maniac the of demon possessed, the demon possessed man. That's that right. was the person in Scripture that was naked and unashamed. So we won't mention all our our brothers in right. this situation. <laughs> the maniac. <laughs> No, but that is that's a that's a good point. And the truth is, a lot of women struggle with the sin of pornography as well. Yeah. The lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes has affected, gone into, been a problem for women as well. So, like you said, any form of sexual sin, whether it's pornography, whether it's sleeping around, whether it's adultery. Any type of sexual sin, whether whether it means you're sitting down and you're reading a love novel and you are placing yourself in that and it's yeah. not your spouse, whatever those sins are, any kind of sexual sin, God says, you want to know God's will? Stay away from this sexual that, sin. That is exactly what he says. He says ab abstaining from sexual sin is the will of God. That's really good. So it's God's will. Mm-hmm for me to read the Word of God. It's God's will for me to pray. It's God's will for me to stay morally pure. And then then it is God's will 
Uh, number four, that for you to give thanks to God for everything. Hmm. The Bible says it this way in First Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, in everything give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God. God wants me to be thankful. God, God, it is God's will for me to thank God. Not to thank God for the situation, but thank God in the situation. I'm in this situation, and so, God, you're going to use this for your glory. Whatever the situation is that I might want to not be thankful for, I need to give thanks for it because God's going to use it. So no matter what happens, I need to give thanks. And as a Christian, if we have been saved by God's grace and he has died to pay the penalty for our sin and rose again and we trust on him and we're his child, no matter what situation we're in, we have something to be thankful for. That's true. And that's that we get to be in heaven united with him one day. That's what I always tell our kids. I'm like, look, it doesn't matter what situation. The kid, they have the best life ever, right? You know, like I look and I tell them, you have this going on, this going on, this going on, this going on, and you can still be so unthankful. Yeah. But I've told them, even if all of these things are taken away from us, even if we uh, we love history in our house, so I tell them, look, even if we were in a concentration camp and during Hitler's time, do you know what we have to be thankful for? How could we be thankful? What is it? You know, we're eating sawdust biscuits, you know, because we, we discuss about all these things. The thing that, as a Christian, that we can be thankful for in everything we can give thanks is that we're going to go to heaven one day. That's what we have. That's what we have our joy in. That's why we can always have joy. That's why we can always be thankful. It doesn't mean, yay, I'm happy. I'm so happy I'm sitting here eating sawdust and I have fleas in my hair. You know, no, that's no one's happy about that. But having the actual joy that I'm going to be in heaven, Christ died for me. And it's just amazing. We truly have something to be thankful for. And, and even beyond that, we have in the in the whatever situation I'm in. If God is sovereign, then He's put me there for a reason. Paul's in prison hmm. for preaching the singing. gospel, and he's singing. And and what happens? The Philippian jailer gets saved. Well, he can be thankful that he got thrown in jail because he got to lead yeah. that person in jail to the Lord. That Philippian jailer would never have gotten saved if Paul. Hadn't gotten thrown it's in like jail. Like Richard Warmbrandt. Yeah. It, same thing. Yeah. The whole Voice of the Martyrs ministry your, through your, that. Your grandpa, Sumner Wemp, used to, was in the latter part of his life, was in one hospital after another. He said, David, I have to give thanks to the Lord for that because if I wasn't at the hospital, I couldn't have let this doctor the Lord or this doctor the Lord or this doctor the mm. Lord. Uh, I wouldn't have, I don't know how many times people have said, hey, I fell down, smashed my head. I went to the doctor, and I thought, oh, why is God allowing this to happen? And I went to the doctor, and the doctor found something that was major serious with them that he was able to take care of. He wouldn't have found it if she, if that person hadn't fallen down, bumped their head, and now they're in the hospital, yeah. and something being, something's being taken care of. There is so purpose and, and There is the purpose. Pain. That is why we're to give thanks in everything. Number five, God's will is for you to submit to God's authority. Hmm. Um, 
the Bible tells us this, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king or as supreme or unto governors. And it goes on to say, for so is the will of God. God wants us to be submissive to him first and then the, to the authorities that are under him. Um, and who wrote that? What's that? I know God wrote it, but who who did God have write that? Peter. 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 And he lived in during the Roman times. That's exactly right. And where the leadership despised Christians. That's exactly right. And so for him to say, hey, you need to be, you submissive. Need to be submissive to these people who want you dead. That's it's incredible. That's amazing. Now, being in submission means that I recognize at times that that the lower authority is not in submission to the higher yeah. authority, and therefore I always submit to the higher authority so that Peter in Acts, when he is confronted by the religious authorities of his day, Peter said, I'd rather obey God than man. When I have the right type of submissive heart, it helps me to determine who and who I should submit to and what is the order of authority, and I wind up doing what the higher authority does. You always taught us that the choice is never disobedience. It's, it's who is the higher authority. Now listen to this, you guys. This is one of the best things you can, I, I feel like you can teach your kids because one day your your child might be married to a spouse who doesn't love the Lord or they might be in, they might have somebody over them that is asking them to be dishonest. It might be a boss or or um, somebody where they feel this is an authority in my life, and they're asking me to do something that's sinful. Well, the Bible teaches it's not, oh, just blind obedience to whoever's over you. You always obey the highest authority. So if we were over in China and they have the two-kid law that you can only have two kids, and I get pregnant with a third, and so they say you have to abort the child. Oh, well, China's authority says I have to do it, so I need to obey China's authority. No, God says thou shalt not kill, and that we're supposed to take and care for our children. Who's the higher authority? Is it China's authority, or is it God's authority? And when I was taught that as a teenager, that really opened my eyes to who I'm supposed to obey Ultimately, the ultimate authority is God, and I need to reference and respect the authority that's put that God has allowed over me, but it doesn't mean I have to sin. That's I right. never have the option of disobedience. It's always the choice of who to obey. And that's so, so important. It's also important we understand this, that if, if I'm to obey every ordinance of man unless they're violating a higher authority, that just because I'm, I am obeying a higher authority in this avenue and I'm not doing what they tell me to do in this in, in one particular avenue, like not, not aborting my child, doesn't mean that I don't show respect to mm. the authority in every other area. It's like Daniel. Uh, it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes. They said, sorry, we're not going to bow to you. It is the ultimate authority that we're going to obey, and that's God, because he told us not to bow down yes. to anybody else except God. So those, But they were still very good citizens yes, and obeyed all the other rules. Did everything that they were supposed to. I mean, but I, I say China because, you know, that's so yes. distant, but it gives an understanding. But 
People are asked by their bosses to do things that are unethical. They're asked to do things by their spouse that is not right, and that's some, sinful. In our culture, some children are being asked to do things by their parents. That, that are, are wrong. Yes. yes. I, I'm telling you, working with children's ministry for so many years, you you teach children to obey their parents. But you're also thinking, these kids are going back. Like when we teach in because we teach everywhere. We go into public schools. We we have big crowds that come, and you tell them you're teaching these kids to obey your parents, and you're like, we need to get these parents saved yeah. because if they're living like the world and they have the fleshly desires that they're not listening to the Holy Spirit, we need they need, and they don't know, but but God has, God cares for them more than I do. That's how I always remind myself <laughs> so I don't get in the, the distressed, not meek and quiet spirit. <laughs> I think of a lady that I know whose husband called her up. He had been robbing stores, and he called up her. He called her up and said, "The police are coming over there. The money that I have stuffed oh. underneath the sink. I want you to take that, and I want you to go." And she said, "I can't do that. Nice. I cannot do that." Hmm. And uh, so, uh, when the police came over, uh, they found the money, and uh, wow, and the man went to jail anyway but I, yeah you can't you, you can't, have you can't sin obey a higher authority it's always obeying the highest authority that's exactly right. and that that's such a helpful thing i think it's such a helpful practical tool living in this flesh sin cursed world okay because you're going to have authority that does not Tell want me. you to do what's right that's exactly so, right wow these are really good so number 6 god's will is for you to be willing to stand for truth and suffer for it. First Peter chapter 3 says this, for it's better I don't like this one. It's better <laughs> if the will of God be so that you suffer for a for for well doing than for evil. He goes on to say in chapter 4 and verse 19, wherefore let him that that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their soul to him in well doing as unto a faithful creator. Hmm. So God wants you to be willing to take a stand for truth, even if you, you're going to suffer, you're for, gonna it. suffer for it. So these are the things. So here it is. If you're, if you're obeying God's word, if you're consistently in prayer, if you're living a moral life, if you're giving thanks daily, and none of us are perfect at this, but if you, this is your lifestyle, if you're in submission to God's authority, if you are willing to stand for truth, even if it causes you to suffer, then, then what's the will of God? The will of God is whatever you want to do. Hmm. Uh, the Bible says at that point, I, I believe if you're doing those things, those are things God says are his will. If you're doing the known will of God, then you're delighting yourself in him. Hmm. And if you're delighting yourself in him, then, then he says this in Psalm 37, 4, if you delight yourself also in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. The things that you desire will be the things that God wants you to do. So delight yourself in him, and you can do whatever you want. Hmm. People say, why did you come to Las Vegas? Because that's what I wanted to do. Uh, why do you travel and preach? Because that's what I want to do. Uh, why do you... Uh, why Why did you have the events you had at the church this last year? Because that's what I wanted to do. 
well, how do you know what you want to do is the will of God? Because I'm delighting myself in the Lord That's and so he good. gave me the desires of my heart. And delighting yourself in the Lord, I used to think that it meant that like I was I was being a delight to God. Oh, I'm doing what he wants me to do. God already delights in me. I have to make him my, my delight. delight. That's exactly I right. have to look and think, I want him. So I'm going to chase after him. I'm going to pray after him. I'm going to spend, I'm going to make that my happiness. And when that happens, then he says, when I'm the one that he, and it just, it's so, once you become a parent, it's like, oh, so many of these things make sense. Yes. <laughs> like when my kid comes up and just loves me and adores me, you're like, Wow. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't help you. I mean, you love them and do everything for them anyway. But when I am a, a true joy for them to be with and that they really are delighting in what I, I think, I, no matter what, I love my kid. No matter what, I delight in them. I don't want them to do wrong, but that's my kid. I And that's how God looks at us. Yep. He already delights in us. We need to have that same delight back to him. I just, when that, when I... As again, when I was a parent, once I became a parent, I was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. That's what he wants. Okay, so to wrap this up, mm -hmm. to wrap this up, you got, here's God's will for you. You don't ever have to ask yourself ever again, what is God's will for my future? Here it is. Here's God's will for your future. Know the word of God. Pray. Live morally pure. This is God's will for your future. Be thankful, be submissive, be willing to suffer, and then do whatever you want. That's so Whatever good. you want to do is the will of God. I want to go eat some tacos. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Grace? <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Dad. That was really great. Super helpful. We look forward to next Tice Talks. This is Tice Talks, and it's... More than a conversation. <laughs>